jungle out there Just saw the ink and beauty everywhere No one seems to care Well, I do Hey, who's in charge here? It's jungle out there Poison in the very air we breathe You know what's in the water that you drink Well, I do Okay, cool. All right, everybody. Today is uh, Friday, August 24th in 2012, and this is Think Relevant, the podcast. Today on the show, we have Jamie Kite, one of our developers here at Relevance. Welcome to the show, Jamie. Thank you. I'm super glad you were able to make it on. Uh, we got a bunch of interesting things to talk about, but uh, uh, anyway, we'll get to one in particular that I want to I want to focus on, but I was really glad to uh, get a chance to talk to you for a number of reasons, so thanks again for coming on. Um, it's my pleasure. Yeah, uh, so the first question that we always ask, I think you might know this since uh, I've heard from you once or twice about uh, issues with the podcast. Thanks for helping out with those. <laughs> uh, so I know you listen, which is cool, um, or at least have listened once or twice. Um, I, what uh, what should we play for the opening music here? Well, we're probably uh, going to have already listened to it because it's very short. It's, uh, it's A Jungle Out There by Randy Newman, which is the opening theme song to the television show Monk. Okay, awesome. Oh, that's great. Well, we'll, uh, we'll just loop it if we have to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. So, um, like I said, you, so maybe we can jump in here. I, I already said that you're a developer at Relevance. Um, however... Uh, I remember when I first became aware of you before you started working at Relevance, um, we all kind of thought you were going to come on as a designer. Um, and that was because you had a very interesting uh, resume. And it got a little bit of coverage out there, too. I wonder if you could talk about the resume and about uh, coming to Relevance and about uh, why I introduced you as a developer rather than as a designer and what you think about that whole split. Yeah, I think um, much to Michael Parento's chagrin, uh, I came on as a, as a developer. I, first of all, love uh, visualizing data, and so my, my resume was an infographic, and um, you know, I, I'll get a little hipster for a second and say I, I was pretty sure that I, I did that before infographic resumes were cool. <laughs> um, now people have been doing them for a while. Um, but I, you know, I, I thought quite a bit about, you know, how to represent my skills and, and, and not just use words, but, but show, like, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people who would prefer to, to see action rather than words. And so for me, it was, I can use my resume as an example of my work. And um, for that, it was, you know, how to, how to visualize uh, the timeline of the work that I had done, the, the um, extent to which I had done, used different technologies and that sort of thing. And so an infographic seemed to make sense. I, I put it up on a site called Forest, which is kind of like Dribble, but also um, is a community for developers, um, primarily front-end developers. And all I wanted to do, I, it was a private post. I just wanted to see if it made sense. It was a draft. I had some really funny stuff in there, like my the extent to which I knew web browsers. You know, it was it, it was it was some of it was placeholder stuff. Although all of it was, you know, I wouldn't say any of it was a misrepresentation, but some of it was not final. And uh, and somebody put it on their blog. It made it onto the front page of Hacker News for more than 24 hours. I. I'm not somebody who likes a lot of attention. I had my face buried in the couch that night. I was so horrified <laughs> that the entire world was 
um, making a commentary on this this resume that I had put together. Besides the fact that I hadn't actually told my previous employer that I had intended to leave, so there was there was that aspect to it as well. Awkward. Uh, yeah, but relevance was the only. I, I got a lot of of contacts from from different companies, um, a lot of which were in San Francisco and New York City and Chicago, and those were not cities that I had been super excited about moving to. I definitely wanted to move, um, so relevance was. In the southeast, it was uh, close enough to my family and and uh, in a state that I loved. So, I was uh, I was pretty set on this being the only one that I was going to entertain, and and it and it worked out. You you were you were living in Florida at the time, is that right? Yeah, I lived in um, in uh, Orlando, Florida. I I still have a house there if anybody's interested. <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely wanted to move to a state that had you know seasons and uh, not just one of them. Right. Yeah, I grew up in Minnesota. We say there are two seasons there, winter and road construction. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah, that was just, yeah. And I was just there this summer and I was like, oh yeah, it actually is true. Uh, <laughs> but to, to get back to, so first of all, I mean, I remember, I will post a link to the to the resume. I, I was poking around on the internet, internet before the, uh, the interview and, um, you know, I, I saw the infographic is still out there. People can check it out. It, it is it is pretty cool looking. Um, and I remember seeing it and I remember people at Relevance being like, we really want want to get contact her right away because it seems like she's going to get a lot of offers out of this. So uh, it was it was definitely something that, that stuck in my mind. It was uh, <laughs> it's, it's pretty cool. People should check it out. But to come back to the question of, um, you know, we looked at it and we said, oh, and I don't remember if it was because we were looking particularly for designers back then or whether it was something about the resume that said designer. I mean, it was well designed. Um, but obviously there were things on there too about, you know, your your ability to, to work with um, uh, more typically developer skills. But what, when you came to Relevance, it, it seemed like you were pretty emphatic about wanting to um, primarily play in the in the developer role. I wonder if you could talk about that a little bit. Sure. So um, I am. I consider myself to be a full stack developer um, from the concept phase to the, you know, initial database schema to all of the iteration that goes on throughout it to the design to every single piece of it. I wanted. To, I wanted to be a part of, and um, that's you know that's my background. I I did that at my previous company, and I was less involved in the design. Um, but I had an eye for it, and I could make stuff, um, you know, look good, reasonably good, and then and then I sort of made the designer's job easy. Um, but the idea to me of being visually creative every day um, was uh, a little bit too daunting. I have a, I have a ton of respect for the work that the that the designers do because I'm too hard on myself um, to to feel like, you know, something is ever finished with design and uh, in development. I feel a lot more comfortable in that role because I can write a test, I can write the code, and I can be reasonably sure that um, that it's correct, that it's complete, and I can move on with my life. Um, so it's more just it fits better with my personality to um, be in the developer role. Although you know I certainly um, you know have been on several projects at Relevance that didn't need a designer because I was there. So uh, yeah, <laughs> we we, we had Michael Parento on the show before and. Uh, you know, one of the things that he, that he said, if I could, I, I'm not quoting him, but if I could read between the lines a little bit, is that uh, the this idea that there is a very concrete developer role and a very concrete designer role and never the twain shall meet. Um, you know, I, I think he said we're all being creative and solving problems. Do you? But it sounds like you, to you at least, there is there's some sort of line. Maybe it's fuzzy. 
between the two? Do you? Yeah, I I, I would I would agree with that. I, th- I think that there there is a fuzzy line. I'm I'm comfortable being called a developer because I know that when I come to work, uh, I can feel reasonably sure that that the work that I'm doing, like I said, is is complete and correct and, and um, is a little bit less uh, subjective. But there is never a day where I'm not designing in some way, even on in the, in the front end. And I think he was more, you know, leaning on this idea that, that we're all creatives um, or that maybe that we're all craftsmen um, in, in what we build. But, you know, for, for me, I'm just so much more comfortable um, in write, writing code and then uh, having sort of as a as an add-on that that I can spend time um, you know m- making something feel good to the user and, and making that whole complete experience from front to back hmm. that's cool uh, so so that this is a, a reasonable segue uh, to <laughs> the the thing that uh, got me to say oh we, we need to have Jamie on the show now because um, I've wanted to have you on for quite a while uh, not least because um, you know, I'm I'm you know at Relevance we do a, a bunch of stuff. Uh, the two of the big ones are Ruby and Closure, and I'm more of a Closure person. And so you know you look at the show and it's like we have a tendency to talk to Closure people fairly often. Mm-hmm. Um, you are uh, I think primarily uh, working in Ruby. Is that right? Yeah, that has been true for um, for the extent of my period at Relevance. Although I was on a closure project, that the first day on the project, I said, mm, "I can do that in three or four days in Rails," and they said, "Fine, do it." <laughs> so, yeah. so I was technically on a closure project for a day, but it quickly became a, uh, a Ruby project. Yeah, no, I think that's great. Actually, I, I think that's um, <laughs> you know seriously. I mean, we uh, we run into these situations all the time. The two technologies are are, and I think. Probably the comparison that we that we're actually drawing in that particular case is Rails versus Closure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it definitely, there is there is a, there's a certain art that we run into all the time about choosing the appropriate technology. We we try to do that. So, um, but the so the reason that I said that it was uh, the the thing that got me to want to have you on the show, other than that, I just wanted to talk to you because you're an interesting person because you're also because you're uh, a good representative of uh, of the Ruby side of of, of relevance. Um, uh, is that you have just uh, launched into, I think it's a sort of a beta or a friends and family phase, uh, a pretty interesting project. I, w- I wonder if you could tell people about that. Yeah, so I um, uh, just launched a site called fem.me, F-E-M-M dot me. Um, it is a fertility awareness app, and um, it uses the fertility awareness method, which you know, there's a there's a lot of research out there, but the, the primary resource that I used was a book called Taking Charge of Your Fertility. Um, if you have ever known anyone who's done charting of their their waking temperature or their basal body temperature uh, before they conceive, or or as a method of of uh, avoiding pregnancy, um, that is what this site is is geared around. Um, so I got married four and a half years ago, and when at the, at the time there was really um, maybe one or two apps out there, and I. I'm a very visual person, uh, like we've mentioned, and they they were not attractive. I didn't want to wake up in the morning to that. So for a long time, I thought, uh, you know, I wanted to build my own. And when I finally got to Relevance, I had time in my in on my Friday time and and also uh, more free time at, after work to work on something that that was really um, 
uh, a, a passion project in in every sense of the word, I suppose. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like that. So, so I finally got to build it. Um, it took about six months, and it really shouldn't have taken that long. But you know, I, I've just taken my time. It's been a, a labor of love, and um, finally got it out there, July twenty eighth, and we have uh, opened it to the world. So it is no longer a friends and family release, and it's it's free for anyone to use. Oh, cool. Um, where are you hosting it? Uh, it's funny. I've been uh, at Relevance. I've been a periodic hater on Heroku, um, but it's actually hosted on Heroku, and it's been a great experience so far. I've not had to deal with much of the DevOps side of things, and and it's been pretty painless for deployments and all of that. And it's. I have to assume it's a Rails app. It is. <laughs> Good guess. Cool. No, it's cool. I, I I've I've seen it a little bit. I looked at it when you first sent out the link to internally and um, I have to say it's a really nice looking site it definitely has that um, uh, that that Jamie style which I think is, is, is really cool I, you know I mean you just look at it and it has a certain um, I don't know people have to check it out for themselves but uh, it is you know, I can I can you, you talked about the fact that you wanted to develop something that you would actually want to look at in the morning and it and it uh, and, and I, I think it's I think it's a very nice looking site thank you yeah I uh, I, I kind of tired of all, all of the ones that I've seen so far are pretty pastel pink. Um, they, you know, I, I look at the site and, and there's just bad font choices and, and those, I don't know, those things matter to me. It's, uh, it, I, I hope they matter to other people, I guess, because um, I'd love for, um, for, for the community to grow around it and for it to become something that, um, you know, I, I continue to, to develop. It's definitely in its early phase. Mm-hmm. Well, that's de- one of the things that, um, that's been happening to me lately is I mean I, I am I am definitely not where you are in terms of marrying design skill to uh, development skill I mean I the the design stuff is something that I uh, haven't focused on in my career uh, so you know for me having worked at relevance with a lot of people like yourself who have both development uh, and design skills it's been really cool to start to to be able to do some of that um, to, you know, to, to start to get some of that. And you're right, like once you, even for me, who, you know, is only beginning my journey down this road, you know, I start to notice things like fonts and go, that's really not what it ought to be. Yeah, yeah I just read a, a really interesting article. It's very short um, called We're Not Unhappy, We're Designers. And it kind of touches on that point of, of uh, a constant state of discontented observationalism, as they call it, um, where, you, you know, you, you notice something, even if it, a four-year-old has done it, and you're like, ooh, bad color choice, or, or you know, there's a, <laughs> there, there's, and I mean, they're four, but it's just, it's an instinct that's, that starts happening, or, or you'll start to be able to, um, I have this uncanny ability to, to to determine uh, the length of things, like I, uh, I, I won this game at a at a baby shower recently, where um, I, I guessed the length of of the the string that went around her belly, and like just these little things where you re- you realize that you're you're measuring the world around you with your eyes, and and uh, I don't know if that's if that's happened to you much, but it's it's a blessing and a curse, I guess. Well, I, I do have a four year old and uh, and and a seven year old as well, and I, I will say that in terms of color choice, uh, some of the clothes they pick out occasionally are you know interesting, but some of the school you're like, okay, well, look at some of the kids at school, like, okay, yeah, other kids are doing this too, so maybe yeah, I free spirits, I guess. Yeah, or maybe I should just uh, you know start. Uh, uh, having them focus on design so that they can, they too can become aware of these things. Um, yeah. I do want to actually, I, I, do, I mentioned this on the show before, I, I do think constantly 
um, about when it comes time to teach my daughters to program, how I'll do that. So that's a that's a whole other thing that we could talk about, I'm sure. But um, so I, I wanted to ask you a question about the site um, that I, I hope this is just me asking because I'm curious. I hope you won't take it as uh, as rude. Um, but you know, it occurs to me looking at it. So any anytime you look at an app that is about fertility, like the, it makes perfect sense to me to look at it and and say, okay, well, if, if if we were trying to get pregnant, then this is a good thing. Um, but it's interesting that you have uh, also, you know, put it in the context of people who are trying to avoid getting pregnant, because you know you hear these, you know, you hear the kind of the, the traditional and maybe it's uninformed opinion of you know like the rhythm method or whatever as being mm-hmm. pretty ineffective. Is that something that you ran into when you were designing the site or, or comments you've gotten to that effect or what, what's yeah, your response? Yeah, I mean, the, the rhythm method is ineffective. Um, and uh, I, it was funny when I when I first started using this method as a method of birth control when I when I first got married, um, a friend of mine said, mm, the fertility awareness method, I've heard of that. It's called motherhood. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but I mean, it, it, it really comes down to, um, uh, for, for me, I had I had made this choice to uh, start eating organic food um, and and stop eating any meat that was produced with uh, any kind of hormone or um, or antibiotics, and so it was sort of a natural choice for me. But I and and I think there are, there are other you know side effects and risks to birth control that we don't need to get into. But for me, the biggest risk of of birth control is is a lack of awareness of your own fertility cycles, a, a lack of awareness of what you know, is a, is a normal process for your body. So, you know, I had to, to learn as a part of this, okay, when does ovulation occur? Um, you know, it's silly questions. Does it occur only once a month? Um, is it always 14 days in and what's the difference between different women? And, um, you know, what, what does the temperature that you have when you wake up in the morning have anything to do with your uh, your fertility. And so I did a lot of research on it, and and it turns out, I mean, women are only fertile, uh, you know, about three days out of out of the month, um, and men are fertile every day. And so, but pinpointing that is is not a uh, an exact science, and and there's a lot of different aspects that go into it. The, the primary fertility signs. And the rhythm method just assumes that something happens on a particular calendar day for every woman every month. And, and that's kind of a, um, you know, obviously that, that doesn't work for everyone because um, even in the small sample of women who are using the site so far, we've had just such a range of, of short cycles, long cycles, uh, you know, no two women are created equal. So this site is really meant to, um, to help women who, especially who have irregular cycles, understand, okay, at what point... Uh, am I ovulating? At what point am I safe uh, if you're trying not to get pregnant and that sort of thing? Hmm. So is there, I, I haven't really used the site, I just kind of poked around a little bit. Um, is, is there smarts built into the application around helping people understand or is it really just collecting information and then more or less presenting it for uh, interpretation by the by the user? So I started with um, more or less collecting information. Uh, the, it determines your peak day, which would be the day that you ovulate, not you, but uh, women. <laughs> right. um, uh, it finds the cover line, which if you uh, you know care to, to read about the fertility awareness method, sort of determines, okay, what's the breaking point between your pre-ovulatory and post-ovulatory temperatures? Um, and then uh, it, it also asks for information about your um, cervical mucus. So 
there are different, it's not just the, the, temp the temperature, there are other factors that go into it. And so for somebody with a very long cycle, it can pinpoint a completely different date for ovulation than for somebody with a very short cycle. Hmm. That's very cool. I'm, this is really genuinely interesting, I, although I will say that I, when I started the podcast, I don't think I thought the phrase cervical mucus would come up on any of the episodes. Yeah, I, th I, th I think uh, I think that can be the last time we use it even this one. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Uh, no, this is really interesting. I, 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 it must have been, I mean, this must have been a really interesting problem from a number of uh, dimensions. I mean, obviously, you know, there's some, some pretty interesting uh, biology and algorithms around that that you had to implement. And then also... Um, you know, the, the usual things whenever you're building a website around how to present information and handling just all the stuff we do. Was there some aspect of developing the site that you found particularly challenging or particularly rewarding or just st stood out in your mind somehow? Um, I, th I, th I think it continues to be challenging um, t to, to think about new features to develop and that sort of thing. But the rewarding part was after I had developed the smarts around figuring out your ovulation day, figuring out where your cover line belongs and that sort of thing. I went to the the book that I had been using, um, the uh, Taking Charge of Your Fertility book that I mentioned earlier. And I, I they, there's tons of example charts in that book. So I, I took some key example charts, both normal and abnormal, and plugged them in and uh, wrote specs around them. And when they all passed, I, I was just blown away that um, that these are real charts and that this is, you know, that these algorithms are really predicting um, these things. I, I was, uh, I was, it felt pretty rewarding. Even knowing that, that, you know, this is how, I, I, I understand, I understand how the fertility cycle works. It was still sort of mind blowing to me that I could plug it in and that an algorithm could, uh, could explain it. Hmm. That's cool. It's, uh, it's always, I mean, it's interesting to me. I, pretty, you can work, I, I feel like, as developers, you know, you can work on what is seemingly the most boring problem in the world. I mean, implementing an accounting system, for example. Mm -hmm. And yet, when you dig into virtually any topic, as you pretty much have to when you're telling a computer how to do it, mm -hmm. um, there's there's interesting stuff there. And, and obviously, um, human biology is far from the least complicated or least interesting thing you could dig into. So that's that's pretty neat to hear your experience. Yeah, it's been a, a, a project that's really kept me um, engaged over over the months when I was developing it, and and it continues to. I mean, one of the things that I want to do is is not only use your current fertility signs, but also your past few months because it helps. It it's very helpful to predict what will happen next month based on oh, you always have a really long cycle. This isn't an unusual thing for you. Mm. So. Um, the predictive functionality will get continue to to get better as I iterate over that. Is that so? How I mean, when you is that something that you're extending out of the the research from the book that you're working on, or just something that you're discovering, or you know, statistics analysis, or how are you? I, I mean, presumably at some point you could move outside of um, you know the wh whatever research the book is based on and into your own uh, your own stuff, and I would I would think that would be tricky. Yeah, I. I I think um, you know I want to be careful about applying anything universally. So anything that I do to predict um, that goes outside of what this book has talked about is is going to use sort of the that single woman's uh, history uh, to predict. So if if she's if her last three cycles have been 44 days long, that's that's the length I'm going to expect for her next cycle to be, and and that will help 
um, especially if you're trying not to conceive, that helps determine, okay, where's the safe zone here? And, um, and at what point is it, is it no longer safe? That's cool. So um, I, I wonder when you, <laughs> I can imagine a lot of people listening to this and, and saying, wow, uh, what did you have to do to let, to get relevance, let you do this? I mean, what, was there any <laughs> kind of process you had to go through there or how did that work? Or did you just, you know, sit down and say, this is what I'm doing on Friday. Yeah. Um, so I had mentioned this a, a long time ago and I think even during the interview phase that there was this, you know, project that I'd been thinking about, um, because of the IP restrictions at my previous at my previous job, I wasn't allowed to work on it. So I finally had a space to work on it, and suddenly I was like, "Hmm, is this something that relevance, you know, would ever want to put a copyright on, or would would they ever want to run this business, or you know, if it ever becomes a business, um, is this something that they want to get involved in? Probably not." So I did have a discussion with our our CEO Justin, and he was uh, he was pretty emphatic that relevance just wanted to support. Um, you know, this this project in terms of, you know, if I want to work on it on Fridays and that sort of thing, but they don't want a pound of flesh from me that, you know, they don't, they don't want any, anything really in return for it. They're just excited that I've, I've learned a ton working on this project, you know, about different uh, gems that I hadn't used or the JavaScript charting library that I use for, for the displaying the charts and that sort of thing. So, um, it's it's interesting when you have a Friday with with time to sort of uh, explore your own interests. What can what can come out of it? And I think Relevance is just really excited to see a product ship out of out of Friday time. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I remember a conversation that we had at one of our whole company meetings where uh, Justin made a point of saying, uh, "We've hired a lot of people recently, and so not everybody might know this, but <laughs> y'all really generally don't need to ask for permission." Um, you know, <laughs> Even for something like this, where I think you could reasonably say, based on your experience at other companies, that you would need to ask. Um, I think it's great that you were able to have the discussion with Justin, but uh, it's also very cool that I, I feel like at least that if you had um, worked on it on Fridays for six months, not said anything to anybody and launched it, that it, there really wouldn't have been any cause for comment. Yeah, I mean, he, he was emphatic that I you know, understand that that this was my project and that Relevance was just proud to be a part of it and and that that was all that they wanted. Uh, I was, I'm was i still continually blown away by um, just the ability to explore passions on Fridays. Yeah. Yeah, I've been working on something around uh, typing that I'll have to maybe talk about on the show at some point, but uh, it's it's totally different from anything else. Uh, and it's, it's very cool to kind of go sideways and do that. Yeah. Uh, I like it a lot. Well, um, th this is all super interesting, but there's another thing that, that I that I feel like I should talk to you about since it is, uh, I think, a really interesting aspect of, of, of your personality, or at least that I've experienced, um, which is food, <laughs> right? I think, I mean, is it fair? Would you describe yourself as a foodie? Yeah, I would, I would say that. I, um, I, I grew up eating food, and if my mother ever listens to this, she's going to kill me, but eating food out of a box, a bag, or a can. You know, I ate a lot of, of, of you know, food that came out of the freezer, um, and, and it, you know, it was really awesome for, uh, for, you know, for my parents not to have to um, cook dinner every night. For they, they both worked full-time jobs, and, and I learned to cook for, my own, for myself pretty early because it was pretty easy to do, right? Um, but when I 
realized that I wanted to stop eating processed food, um, that pretty much throws away the, the boxes, the bags, and the cans. Mm. And um, so I kind of had to go back and, and understand, okay, how do you make a sauce? I mean, sauce comes in a packet that you add water to and stir around. Mm -hmm. um, how, how do you actually cook something without directions? Um, so I, I started cooking on my own, um, I don't know, probably six years ago. Um, you know, I, I just discovered food. It was like, a, you know, a, I was a reborn foodie or something. I discovered what food should taste like um, when, when it's made with uh, care and love and, and a lot of times a lot of hours. So I, I started that down in Florida, and we started this tradition of um, uh, what we called it family night supper back then. And uh, when we moved up here, we continued that tradition, and it's become eat relevance. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's it's just a feast that we um, we used to fund on our on our own, and relevance has helped out with it the past couple times. But um, it's really a way to to share that that love of cooking and food with with other people and. Um, just a, a, a great opportunity to get everybody in the same room, which I, I feel like is so so important. And I, I think you were able to make one of them, so that I did. Fun. Yeah, the thing that sticks in my mind. Well, first of all, all the food was excellent. But the thing I sort of the iconifies the experience for me was I, I believe you made your own butter. <laughs> I did. I did. I did. It's remarkably easy to do, but it's not very cost effective. So uh, it's it's more of a novelty than than anything else. Mm -hmm. It was pretty cool. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. It was it was very tasty, um, and I've done a few dinners for uh, you know twenty five or more people myself. And it it's very difficult. And I thought you pulled it off very well. Well, thank you. Uh, um, and, and I noticed, by the way, that uh, one of your Twitter accounts is uh, is uh, ravenous fig. Yeah. So, um, and that's it's funny. Most of the people who see my infographic resume and want to get a hold of me end up going to my uh, food blog because it's listed on my infographic resume. Mm. Um, but I also have a food blog called Ravenous Fig, which is named after a uh, favorite restaurant of ours in Orlando called Ravenous Pig. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I don't even really like figs, or I didn't until I had them on pizza, and I like pizza, so. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I've had that. fig on pizza. It's really good with uh, bacon, a little blue, blue cheese. It's, uh, it's tasty. But anyway, so um, I, I have had a food blog. I have been incredibly inactive on it ever since I started the Fem.me project. So um, I've, I have it as one of my many goals to uh, both get back to that and to redesign it and actually design it myself since the design that's there is not my own. Okay, cool. Well, that's awesome. I am definitely looking forward to... Uh... You know, if you do any more eat relevances, hopefully I can arrange to be in uh, in Durham in the area and uh, you know somehow uh, arrange myself an invite. Um, so, oh yeah, uh, that was great. I, I managed to slip that right in there and make, make you admit <laughs> to our listeners that you're going to invite me. So I have my mission accomplished there. Perfect. Well, you know, today is a Friday, so that means that both of us have things that we want to be working on. Obviously, you're going to be working on Fem.me some more, a, a really interesting project, and I super appreciate you uh, coming on to tell us about it. Um, so people could just go to Fem.me and, and, and uh, sign up or, or get started there. There's no, it's not, it's a free yeah. site, you know, there's no, no restrictions there, right? Yep, absolutely. We we are planning at um, at we meaning I and my husband who pokes me about finances every once in a while. Um, <laughs> we are planning on on adding a paid level that's more of a supporter level than 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 anything else, but just to sustain it. But for uh, for forever, there will be a free version of it, and uh, as long as the site is around. 
And uh, we're proud to, to offer that, especially to, to women who um, may not be able to afford the 5 or $10 a month it might cost. Sure. Cool. That's that's really awesome. I really like that. Uh, we didn't even touch on that, but obviously there's a philanthropic aspect too, which is which is very neat and, and very much in line with um, with uh, rel- with Friday time and relevance. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, like I said, I know that I know that you want to get back to making that site better. I have a, a few <laughs> things to do myself, so I won't keep you any longer. But uh, before before we go, I did want to ask you if there's uh, if there's anything else that you want to let people know about, or uh, you know, shout out to the world. Give you the mic. No, I mean, other than fem.me, which thank you for the, the platform with which to discuss it and uh, to talk about cervical mucus on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. <laughs> you know, we've, uh, it's funny, we, um, not that, it's, I'm not trying to draw an equivalence here, but we, uh, <laughs> it just reminds me of our very first episode we had Justin on and, uh, you know, he said something profane. I'm not saying that talking about what we talked about is, is the same thing at all. I don't consider it to be like, but it's, you know, we've got the explicit tag on the podcast pretty much because we have Justin on. And so, uh, you know, I, hopefully there's nobody out there that, uh, that was, uh, you know, I don't care if there was anybody out there that was offended by us discussing these very important matters. That's, I guess it really doesn't have anything to do with it at all, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's always good to have another first on the podcast. And that certainly was one. Um, um, no, but it was really, really interesting. I mean, uh, I, as soon as I saw your email about what you were doing, uh, I was like, well, we should totally talk about this in the podcast. It's, uh, you know, I mean, because I think this sort of thing, um, and this has come up before, which is that, you know, software is ultimately about people um, in a very real way. And I think it's pretty easy to lose sight of that given the sorts of minutiae that we're as as developers and designers that we're constantly immersed in probably less so as designers but but i think it's great to talk about stuff like this because it i mean the problem you're solving is um even more than an accounting system although an accounting system is trying to solve people problems too this one is very obviously a people problem so to me it's really interesting to hear about um how you you i mean justin likes to say software is the biggest lever in the world for for helping people and so this is a great example of that in my opinion well, thank you. That was very well put. Well, thanks. I have occasional moments of eloquence, but <laughs> it's probably just because I'm drunk. Um, so I <laughs> do, do want to thank you a ton for coming on, and uh, I hope that you will come back and talk to us some more, either about your um, next interesting project or about uh, where you've taken fem.me or some combination thereof. Uh, love Absolutely. to have you back on again. Yeah, it'd be great. Um, and before we go, um, we do have to ask you one more question, which is what should we play for music on the way out? So uh, I mentioned July 23rd was the day that we launched Fem.me. It was also the day that my grandfather passed away, and he used to sing me uh, an old African spiritual, I Got Shoes, and so I would like to close with I Got Shoes by Tata Vega. Absolutely. We'd be more than happy to do that. So this one goes out to your grandfather. Thanks again a ton, uh, Jamie, for uh, for coming on the show, and uh, looking forward to having you back real soon. All right. Thanks so much. Okay. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> bye, Craig. All right. Bye, everybody. This has been Think Relevance, the podcast. Thank mm-hmm. you.